This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, Steve here, and welcome to the podcast for alpaca people. So good to see you again. As I sit in the sweltering heat of a summer's day here in Wales, I'm thinking, this can't be right. I'm feeling so uncomfortable. But who said that keeping alpacas was going to be comfortable? To be fair, this is unusual weather for this part of the world, and definitely for someone who hails from the north of England. I'm more familiar with the fresh air that comes off the North Sea from Scandinavia. Fresh is a British understatement at work again. It can be a really biting wind that comes across the North Sea. And you know how we love to complain about the weather. Well, most things actually, but especially the weather. Getting comfortable with alpacas is part of what we've been looking at in the last few episodes. Building confidence. Confidence in ourselves and our alpacas becoming more confident in us. Being safe to be around. The same things seen from a different perspective could be framed as being comfortable. Now, keeping alpacas brings with it a level of discomfort. Something you need to know if you're thinking of joining the illustrious tribe of alpaca people. We get paid back in so many ways that it hardly seems worth mentioning, but it is part of what I want to talk about first, and then we'll get back to some practical tips on how to get more comfortable with your alpacas later on. Today is hot. My alpacas can make choices about where they go, at least up to a point, but because they're in a field with boundaries and their water is in buckets, my responsibility as a keeper of alpacas is to make sure they are happy and healthy, that they have access to shelter from the sun, sufficient shade, and also that they have an adequate supply of water. The big bucket is floor standing, and they often tip it over. The hanging buckets are smaller, and they drink them dry. So in this hot weather particularly, I need to slog up the hill and top up their water which, when I got up there, was almost finished, but not quite. I was uncomfortable, due to the heat, and also the biting flies. So here's the thing. It is hot, so I wear shorts, and then complain about being bitten on the legs by biting flies. I exchanged willingly some of my discomfort for my alpaca's comfort. While I was there, I noticed one of those large, horseflies we get here in July. It landed on Olaf first, and as I moved in, he moved away. Olaf, I mean. The fly dropped down to his leg and then round to the other side. Reaching around Olaf was likely to result in either a kick or him running off. He did the latter. The horsefly swooshed away, out of reach, having been disturbed by my flailing arms. Olaf wasn't best pleased either. Back to why I was there. I ran the water and topped up the hanging buckets first, followed by the large bucket, by which time the pesky brute was back again. If it lands on the right animal, I should be able to catch it. Otherwise, 
I'm in danger of freaking them all out. Eventually it was over by Joseph and I managed to swat it onto the ground and then stamp on it. Can you feel what kind of emotions these things engender in me? I had offered my bare legs as bait, but the horsefly preferred the smell of alpaca. In our winter, we have other problems with water supply, and instead of topping it up, I have to take the ice off the top. Your hands get seriously cold then, because you can't do that with your gloves on when you're fishing out icebergs from a water bucket. Occasionally, the rainwater preserving tank is empty or it's frozen, so then it's down to carrying containers by hand or tractor, 20 kilograms a time. Remembering my distant physics lessons, one litre of water at four degrees centigrade weighs one kilogram. So put 20 litres on each arm and you're not going to go very far and certainly not very fast. So moving food and water is one aspect of discomfort, or at least hard work. Then there's the weather. Wales is very green, which means a lot of rain. From October to April, I can live in head-to-toe waterproofs and Wellington boots. It's either raining, or it's just rained, or it's about to rain. Something else you need to know is that alpacas don't understand about public holidays or lions. They don't know about you being tired, in a hurry, or feeling stressed. They know it's something, but it's not really anything to do with them. All of this to say, keeping alpacas takes time and effort and sometimes can be plain uncomfortable. You can do something about a lot of those things, like piped water supply, if it's possible, creating a feed store, insect repellent for those bare legs, and good breathable waterproofs. But it all kind of goes with the territory. So, mindset. That's your secret weapon. Accept these things are just how they are, and then do things to make them easier. In summary, keeping alpacas is going to cost you some comfort, but there are some things you can do to make life easier. Now, on to the other focus of the episode, becoming comfortable with your alpacas. To be comfortable around your alpacas, you need to know them. And to know them, you need to spend time with them. It's my broken record closing, which says, go spend some time with an alpaca. Listen out for it later. I know you don't need convincing. Maybe just reminding. Go spend some time with an alpaca. Okay, so now I can imagine the, but Steve said I had to do it, excuses. They're going to come into play in many households all around the globe. From, why didn't you finish your homework? Well, Steve said I had to go spend time with the alpacas. To, the washing up's not done. To, where have you been? I will keep on check on whether I feel my ears burning as people talk about me and I get blamed for all kinds of spending time with the alpacas. So let's come back to those practical tips I said we would look at. How about you get a chair, uh, preferably a portable one and an outdoor one. Otherwise, I'm really going to get blamed for even more things. We've got some of those folding chairs that go in a bag with a a strap so it's so you can sling it over your shoulder and take it with you which is ideal so go set it up in the middle of the field with your alpacas and then just wait you can sit down they won't be able to resist curiosity off the scale or 
find opportunities to set up catch pens and then feed them in there, or feed them in the stable or field shelter. Put the food out and then hang around. Act like you're meant to be there, and they will start to accept you. With some of mine now, I have to walk round them. <laughs> it's not that they run away from me. I, I can't get through because they're prepared to stand still. So there we go. Familiarity, getting comfortable, and knowing that you're not going to get kicked. Just be careful. Talk to them. I, I'm always asking them, how are you today? Hello. Hello, Megan. What are you doing? Hello, and how are you today? So I'm always asking them how they are, and sometimes they even tell me. Another idea, grab part of a bale of hay and then make a little pile in the middle of their field, somewhere they don't normally get fed. Again, curiosity, and every time you do something like that, they think it's for them anyway, so why not make most of it? So make a little pile and then, again, hang around. Don't use too much of it, though, in case it rains, which means you're going to waste it. But it's a delight to be around them while they're distracted with food. Sometimes I will deliberately take them to a different field, not because I need to, but just because it's something we can do together. Try leading them and seeing if they will follow. I call mine all the time to me when I'm feeding them, so they will often follow me when I'm heading down the path to another field and call them. They'll come after me. It really is so nice when they follow you rather than being driven. Think about what you need them to do sometimes, like getting into a loose box or a transporter of some kind, and practice loading them up so that they're familiar with that rather than waiting until it's essential that you load them up. And usually you've got an audience as you struggle to get them to do anything. This is definitely them getting comfortable as well as you. All these little steps build over time. Familiarity, being comfortable and gaining confidence. Wins all round. So down on the farm, what's been going on? Well, the geese continue to grow and they're practising their flying. They did some the other day where it was flying from the field into the car park and onto the lake, but there's a couple of them are still not doing that very well, and they get left behind, and they, they, they struggle and have to walk the last little bit from the car park and plop into the water. So I don't think they're quite ready to go yet, but they're working on it. There's quite a lot of uh, woodpecker activity, actually. Green woodpeckers, lots of that yaffle still going on, and they're, they're backwards and forwards all over the place around the valley, so they're obviously getting used to their territory. Rabbits, I've seen a few rabbits. I keep seeing them in different places. And then they run off like they are going back home to hide and they're running a different direction to where I thought they lived. But there we are. So they are around, seems to be more of them. And uh, they're doing all right. And there's some little ones. I guess we're just going to have more and more, aren't we, once they're there. Or Sue discovered the, the geese, actually, thinking about where, they, where the geese have been. They were right down the far end of the lake in the little silt pond. We've got a pond at the end which catches the silt before it gets into the main lake. And all the geese, the, the 20 of them, they were all down there kind of in the shade enjoying the little little pool and, and, and the herons have been around a lot. The, the water level's just going down again, down again. We've got lots of the sandbars are now kind of starting to merge. Got large areas going from the finger that sticks out in the lake right through. And you can see quite a lot of footprints with the birds wandering backwards and forwards. And yeah, foxes around as well. We've got some young foxes. Occasionally hear them. A few other 
strange noises at night, which you're not quite sure what they are. So we continue to have quite a lot of spread of the wildlife. Flowers continue to roll through their different colours and different ones that are favourite. There's a lot of flowers on the, the brambles. There's going to be a lot of blackberries this year by the look of it. Over the lake, near the lake. Well, it's interesting. It's not just there. Let me talk about that. Particularly, I've noticed over the lake and near the lake, it, there's a lot of dragonflies. And it started off with some uh, particular types, and then they, there are the ones that have emerged as well now. So they're whizzing around all over the place. They're just so fast. But over on the grass, on the long grass particularly, you get a lot of the damselflies, the electric blue colours, and you disturb them. And then you think that's nowhere near the water. It's been interesting that a number of these insects and, and other animal life, so like frogs, that you associate very strongly with water, you find them a long way from the water. In fact, frogs, once the tadpoles have hatched, the little frogs appear and they're hopping around in the grass on the paths and things. You have to kind of dodge, be careful where you put your feet down and dodge them as you're tracking around, taking water to the alpacas or whatever. They do move away from the water. They're most of their life cycle isn't directly in the water. They obviously needed some dampness. They're amphibians and their skin needs to be kept uh, moist, but they, they don't actually physically have to be in water or right near water most of the time. And it seems to be the same with some of the other insects, the damselflies away from the water. And we noticed the other day, there's quite a lot of leaves being eaten. So, so oak leaves, uh, not normally noticed that they, they've been particularly munched by something, but they definitely have been. Um, caterpillars, I'm assuming, of some kind of insects, but they're very lacy, some of them, some of the leaves. Not noticed that so, so much before. So we'll keep an eye and see what else is going. It's mainly seems to be mainly the oak, but it could be also some of the, the beech. So we're in that phase where things are being very active in their part of the life cycle, which happens in July. So that's a quick roundup of what else is going on down on the farm. And there we go. I shall leave you to go find some time to be with an alpaca, whether it's sitting in the field on a chair or feeding them or moving them from one field to another. Become more comfortable and be comfortable. Take care. Bye for now. This is the Alpaca Tribe, and I'm Steve Hetherington. Have a great day.